Coming up on Locked on Dodgers, it's a mailbag episode because of the Dodgers off day. We have a lot of really good questions from you listeners about Will Smith and a possible extension, about crafty lefties, about Tim Anderson, and a ton of other questions. So that's what's on tap. So let's get Locked on Dodgers. You are Locked on Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Dodger fans, this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching and listening right now. Then you could be an everydayer just like we are. If this is your first time with us, I am Jeff Snyder. That guy next to me is my co-host, Vince Samperio. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans, just like you are. And we've also both spent time covering the, the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest priced, guaranteed. And uh, Vince, the Dodgers didn't have a game on Thursday. And so we don't have a game to talk about, which uh, is fun because we got to ask our listeners for questions and we got some good ones, a, a wide variety. It's, it's kind of funny. Last time we did a mailbag episode, uh, there was like one or two topics with several questions about each. Uh, luckily Max Muncy has been playing better lately. And so we didn't get a bunch of questions about when are we going to fire Max Muncy into the sun like we did last week. So uh, that's good. Uh, in fact, I don't think we really got any, any duplicate topic questions. Every question we got was a, a new and interesting topic. And we got, Several just in our Twitter mentions. We got a couple by DM. We got uh, some in email. Heard from a lot of you. Before we get into the mailbag, though, I want to shout out a couple more everydayers uh, who reached out to us. We have uh, Taylor Cotterell. He's uh, my buddy from, uh, he lives here in Utah. Uh, I call him my buddy because we're both in Utah. We've never met in, in person, but uh, Taylor's been watching and listening to the show for a long time, and we've been interacting on Twitter for a long time. We'll get to one of his questions later in the episode. Uh, we also had Corey Shadid, uh, who lives in Oklahoma City, and so he gets to go to a lot of OKC Dodgers games, but doesn't get to stay up late to watch all of the LA Dodger games, and so he catches up on his commute to work in the morning by listening to our show, which is great. Got a couple emails from, uh, uh, where where's that email account? There it is. Oh, Tim Manning. Tim's a great guy. Tim lives in Southern California, or no, South Carolina. He grew up in Southern California and Dana Point as a Dodger fan. Uh, Tim has, he's about my age and has uh, a son who's about my son's age. And so he and I have interacted in the past about, uh, you know, kids playing baseball and all of that. But Tim is an everydayer. He found us, uh, during the pandemic, I think is what he said. Uh, and so he's, uh, he's a great fan. And then Gene Wolf, who moved to LA, uh, to be, to retire near kids and, uh, became a Dodger fan during 2020. And uh, so a new Dodger fan and a new Locked On Dodger fan, but an everydayer for the last two years now. So thank you all. We love it. Uh, if you're an everydayer, we'd love to hear from you. If you're not an everydayer, become an everydayer. It's really easy. Here's all you do. Step one, listen every day. Yeah, Step I two, got Robert. one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had one, Joe Smith. He lives in Texas now, I believe. He's been listening since Scully but he's an everydayer. He sent me a screenshot of uh, his podcast and we were all we were there every and every step of the way so nice 
Yeah, our buddy Gavin Deluhosh is also an everydayer, and uh, he did let me know I mispronounced his last name uh, on yesterday's episode. I told him I'm sorry, although it's mostly his ancestors' fault for having a weird last name, but I feel bad anyway. Uh, thanks for being an everydayer, Gavin. Uh, and let's start with Gavin's question from yesterday that we promised to get to, uh, which was, uh, I can't remember. Oh, there it is. Uh, talking about the pitch clock and the shift ban and how they might be affecting the relievers. You know, the Dodgers bullpen has been a little bit shaky so far this season. Do we think, Vince, that it has anything to do with the pitch clock or the shift ban or any other of the new rules? I would hope that uh, some of these guys, it is the pitch clock, just because that would mean that there's something tangible that's bothering them that's not just they're not good this year. You know, relievers are volatile and sometimes they just aren't good for a certain year. Alex Vesia and Bruzar Gratterall stand out a little bit. We talked about Gratterall after one of his outings a couple weeks ago, how it seemed like he was rushing. Uh, he hasn't looked that much better in terms of like missing bats and anything, but he hasn't been as bad as he was. I don't know. He's been just kind of there. Um, Vesia is another guy that he does take his time, but I would think he would have, maybe not benefited but would have at least not been affected just because he's such an intense guy in the sense that you know he wants you know he's he goes about his business and has a lot of energy and everything like that but unless they say it we can't really say that the pitch clock is bothering them uh the shift bands interesting i haven't noticed anything you know not having data i haven't noticed anything that's like oh man the dodgers are getting beat by the shift uh, I think the fact that it, it's possible for the sense of, from what we know, Dodger relievers the last few years, they're very good at limiting hard contact. And that what does that mean? That means soft contact happens and soft contact does usually find holes. But I don't, I haven't seen anything that makes me say like, oh man, they're getting beat by the shift or, or that's a, having an impact on them. I would say the pitch clock maybe, but again, that's can only be us projecting, not necessarily, no one said anything about it affecting them. Yeah, Vesi is the one, Vesia is the one I was concerned about with the pitch clock because he is the slowest working Dodgers reliever. Uh, and, and, you know, you mentioned that high energy, but I wonder if, you know, using that much energy each pitch, if he did benefit from having more time to to settle down. And so maybe that is part. And, and he's been one of the guys who has struggled much more than we would have expected. Uh, and, and so it could be pitch clock related. I, I, I agree with you. I haven't seen anything shift related with the Dodgers bullpen uh, that, that really jumped out at me. But uh, I definitely wouldn't be surprised if there is still some getting used to the pitch clock that's, that's involved in some of their little struggles, but also it's a small sample size. So yeah, hopefully they'll just be better and we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's, we got time for another one. We got, this one's from last week from Leslie Goldberg at snoot it. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to answer this, but I have an answer. Who thought a classic park like Dodger Stadium needed the insane hype lights? You know, I, 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 I don't necessarily, you know, obviously the implication of the question is that this person doesn't like the lights. And that was kind of my first, uh, when I heard they were getting the lights, I, because I've always felt like it kind of felt cheesy or something to have the lights going on and off after a home run and something. But I've actually found myself liking it. Uh, I haven't been there in person yet this season, and so I, I don't know how it looks in person. I do think the lights themselves are better, and I think that was the main benefit. I don't think the Dodgers got the LED lights so that they could do fancy light shows after home runs. I think they got it for better lighting, 
you know, and energy efficiency and all of that stuff. You know, it's nice to have lights that you flip the switch and they're on instead of having to warm up like, like most stadium lights have to. And so uh, I think the, the fancy light shows are just a, a fringe benefit and, and maybe they will adjust their approach over time, but I I've been pretty uh, I've been pleasantly surprised at how much I have not disliked at least the, the light shows that they're doing. Yeah. I mean, I like it. It's for me. I like the fact that Dodger stadium is one of the oldest stadiums, but it continues to make these improvements that have a new stadium feel. One of those being the lights, um, one of them being the fact that they allowed you to walk around the whole stadium because, you know, Dodger Stadium, you can do that before, you know, the little center field concourse out there with, you know, whatever they're trying to upgrade the food, uh, you know, probably still some work to do, be done there, but they're doing all these things that, you know, little play area in center field, they're doing things and they upgraded the seats and, you know, there's been various upgrades throughout the years, the new scoreboards and everything else. There's been various things that they've changed to Dodger Stadium, but still keeping the fact that it's Dodger Stadium and it's classic. And, you know, there's really no frills about it. You're going to a stadium that's symmetrical and you're there to watch baseball. But I do like the fact that they're adding other things. And I don't know, I've been to a few stadiums. I had the other lights and I was always a fan and I don't mind it now. I know the first series I had a couple of snafus. They apologized to the Dimebacks one of the times for cutting the lights out a little bit early. But yeah, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I find myself a little surprised that I agree with you, but, uh, but I'm happy, you know, so, um, we're going to come back in a minute. We have several more questions to get to. Uh, so thank you for making locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning and please keep it locked on Dodgers. I want to talk to you about rocket money because this episode is brought to you by rocket money. And, uh, basically here's the story of rocket money. You sign up for free trials and the free trials always say, just give us your credit card number, but don't worry if you cancel before the seven days or the 30 days or whatever are up, you'll never be charged. And guess what? We never remember to cancel those things. And the end result is we end up with a bunch of subscriptions that we don't need, we don't want, and we don't use. And we don't even notice because unlike our, our ancestors who used to actually balance their checkbooks every month, we have credit cards. We don't look at our credit card statements. As long as we have enough money to survive, we don't really pay that close attention. It's a, it's a downside of this uh, interconnected electronic world that we live in, but that means that we're all spending too much money on subscriptions we don't need. It could be, you know, 80 to $200 a month, every month in subscriptions that you don't need. Do you use Photoshop? If not, cancel your Adobe subscription. You know, that's just a simple one. You probably need it one time because your mom asked you to make something for her three years ago. You're like, oh, I'll just download the free trial of Photoshop. And you've been paying for it ever since. That's one of the many things that Rocket Money can find. And they make it really easy because all you have to do is inside Rocket Money, just click cancel and they cancel it for you. It's that easy. So they can help you manage your finances all in one place and automatically categorize your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time and get alerted if anything looks off. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash lockedonmlb. That's rocketmoney.com slash lockedonmlb. Again, rocketmoney.com slash lockedonmlb. This episode is also brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is a way to buy tickets at the last minute or in advance and know that you're going to get the cheapest price out there because you look at all the secondary sites, Game Time guarantees that they will have the cheapest the cheapest ticket 
Uh, and so whether you're looking for tickets to a Dodger game, tickets to a concert, a comedy show, uh, anything you're looking for, Game Time will have the tickets for you. And they have flash deals and last minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event, images of the seat views, lowest price guarantee. All you got to do is uh, go to gametime.co or get the app uh, and you can you can buy tickets at the last minute. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, we are back. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. If you're not an everydayer, join the Everydayer Club. It's a cool place to be. Uh, there's people like us and some of those people we talked about earlier in this Everydayer Club. You know, we don't have uh, name tags or T-shirts or anything for the Everydayers, but, you know, you can make your own and send us a picture. We'll we'll post it on the podcast, you know. Uh, but uh, if you're watching on YouTube today, we'd love to hear your thoughts in the YouTube comment section. If you're listening on the podcast, we'd love to hear from hear from you through social media or email or whatever. We'll give you all that contact info at the end, like we always do. Uh, but Vince, uh, let's jump back into the mailbag, and uh, let's see next one. Well, let's do this one from at Torta and Tequila on uh, Twitter. He asks, "Should we upgrade the middle infield, and why should it be Tim Anderson?" Yeah, um, I would imagine if things continue to go the way they're going right now, then you kind of have to upgrade the middle infield, especially if you're planning on being a legitimate contender. Uh, Miguel Rojas has not hit that well and has already had a couple times some issues with the lower half of his body. If that continues, you know, struggling. Chris Taylor striking out at a very high clip. We talked about him. If, you know, he would be the other you know, guy that can play shortstop on a more consistent basis. He's not really hitting, so you don't have a lot there. Miguel Vargas, who we're also talk about um, in a little bit, but, you know, he's getting on base because he's walking. Hitting's not quite there, but I don't think there's really any issue there. I think he'll he'll turn it around, and if he doesn't, you know, they'll be able to, to figure something out or they'll be able to call up Michael Bush, and Michael Bush can at least play second base, and maybe he can hit. So there, there's different ways to handle second base. But yeah, Tim Anderson, I mean, we've, we've talked about him as a guy that we would like. And realistically, right now, it's Tim Anderson or Willie Adamas and the way the Brewers are playing. And if they sustain that, then it won't be Willie Adamas because they'll be in a playoff, you know, looking at a, a playoff rod and maybe an NL Central title. So Tim Anderson stands out for the fact that the White Sox haven't looked that great, that the White Sox are in a division where the Twins and Guardians, Twins are looking good, Guardians won it last year and, and should be on a you know similar path this year to winning that division. So they're probably not going to beat out mo most of the AL East teams for a playoff spot, so their playoff and the hopes are, are a little bit lower than maybe some others. Tim Anderson's fun. He can hit. If uh, I know he's had some issues with injuries last couple of years. He's currently on the injured list right now. But it would be fun to get him in Dodger blue because he's probably – you know, there's been a lot of guys last few years, the Dodgers got that. I'm like, oh, that's one of my favorite players. You know, Max Scherzer, Manny Machado back before he, you know, when he was still on the Orioles and different guys like that. And the Dodgers got him. So I'm going to try to manifest that for Tim Anderson too. Yeah, I, I'd love to see Tim Anderson. It's, uh, you know, the Dodgers can't make a trade until there's a, a team willing to trade. And the White Sox right now are five and eight. And I'm looking at their schedule. 
And it looks to me like their next 19 games are against teams that are better than them. And so, I mean, if they go, uh, you know, say seven and 12 in those 19 games, at that point, they're 12 and 20. I mean, they might be seriously thinking about selling by that point. Uh, Tim Anderson has a, a team option for next year. Uh, so he has a year, you know, almost two years of team control left. Uh, that team option is only $14 million, I think. And so it's, a, uh, you know, it, it's pretty affordable and it would allow Miguel Rojas to go back to a utility infielder role uh, The you know, the roster spot, it, it would mean, you know, I don't know, cutting ties with Chris Taylor, maybe, or, you know, somebody that roster spot has to go from somebody. Maybe it's just one of their, uh, maybe, maybe that's the trace Thompson thing I, I've been uh, expecting, you know, trace is hitting okay right now, but um, yeah, I mean, Tim Anderson could be on the market in the next month or so. It'll be interesting because Tim Anderson's a very good hitter. He doesn't fit the Dodgers mold in that he doesn't walk at all. Uh, but you know what? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I'm torn because like, he's got a career 317 on base percentage, which isn't very good. Uh, in fact, it's well below league average. And so, uh, you know, may, maybe the Dodgers could open him up to the idea of taking a few more pitches, but also he is who he is and he's a good hitter. Uh, he doesn't strike out much either. Uh, and he used to strike out a lot, but uh, he, he's cut down on his strikeouts a lot lately in his career. So uh, I think Tim Anderson would be fun to have on the team for sure. I, I love Tim Anderson. I like his personality and everything. Uh, it, it would be interesting to see him on the team, but I think he would give us more consistent offense than Miguel Rojas at least uh, at least has so far. And uh, yeah, I, I am not opposed to that idea. And then they've got a team option for next year. And you know, we saw Tim Anderson play in second base in the World Baseball Classics. So even if Gavin Lux comes back healthy and reclaims the shortstop spot that should be his, then Tim Anderson can maybe play second or something. Yeah, possible. I uh, will stick in the trade realm. Uh, take a question from J Dom at underscore Dominguez eight. He has Dodgers trade for Corbin Corbin Burns at the dead or well, deadline. The deadline. Yeah, um, I mean, most of that comes down to how the Brewers play too. And like you said, the Brewers are currently playing well. Uh, they are uh, contending and. I, I don't see the Brewers trading Burns unless they are out of contention. Uh, although last year they traded their closer while they were in first place. Uh, but they also, that didn't work out well for them. So maybe, maybe they learned that, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I'd love to have Corbin Burns. Uh, you know, I honestly, I think a trade for Otani is more likely than a trade for Burns this season, just because the angels are more likely to drop out of contention. And it's more of a sure thing that, Otani is definitely leaving in free agency. I think Burns still has what a couple years of team team control left, and so uh, I, I don't think. Yeah, obviously, if the Brewers dropped out of contention. I think the Dodgers would be all over going after Burns, but I don't know how like how likely that is. Even though I love the idea. Yeah, that alludes to another question we have after. But yeah, I don't. I don't. If the Brewers are good, the Cardinals aren't looking as good as some people may thought. May have thought the Brewers are looking a little better. Obviously, it's early on; things can change. At this point, last year, uh, or even like a month from now, last year, the Angels were still in first place, and we all saw how that turned out. So, realistically, we're not going to know about trade targets until, like you said earlier, about a month from now, and then from then we'll be able to know. Is Corbin, Corbin Burns on the Dodgers' radar? Yes. Is he going to be available for trade? We don't know. 
Yeah. Um, and then the next question you were alluding to is from DSUARR on Twitter. Uh, he actually has two questions. We'll, we'll deal with the second part first. Is a deadline trade for Shohei Otani out of the realm of possibility since Artie Marino despises the Dodgers? Or if the Dodgers bid high enough, would Marino ship him to LA to the Dodgers or take a lower offer from a different team? Yeah, I mean, this is possible. You know, already nixed the deal before, although that just seemed – it didn't seem like him not liking the Dodgers. He just didn't like, I guess, if they were taking a while because the Dodgers were still starting out the other part of their trade with hitting Mookie Betts. But regardless, I think there probably will be a Dodger tax, especially with Artie Moreno. He is, you know, a little bit – I wouldn't say, you know, he's the smartest guy and he's a, he's a little bit egotistical. So, you know, trading – him to the Dodgers obviously you're going to lose favor with angel fans that already wanted you to sell the team you're going to you know lose favor in general of trading him to the Dodgers there might be a little bit of a Dodger tax the Dodgers still have enough to make that trade if they want to um and I can't you know I would like to say that he wouldn't take a lower offer from a different team just because of the Dodgers but you know different sport but kind of similar concept the Lakers supposedly you know Kyrie Irving wanted to go to the Lakers. The Lakers wanted Kyrie Irving. And the Nets owner said, no, we're not going to do that and took a lesser offer for that. Kind of ended up working out for them. But, yeah, I guess it's possible that there's L.A. tax. Um, we've seen that in baseball, too, specifically with the Dodgers, when the Rockies refused to even consider trading Nolan Arenado to the Dodgers, instead traded him for you know a bucket of baseballs to the Cardinals and, uh, and paid the Cardinals to take him off their hands. Uh, that's, you know, the Rockies are – shouldn't be any owner's uh, idea of who they want to emulate as an, as an MLB owner. And hopefully even already Marino is smart enough to know that uh, I would assume the angels will take the best deal. If they decide to trade Otani, um, they'll take the best deal that's made to them regardless of who it comes from. But you know, stranger things have happened for sure. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about Chris Paul and maybe wonder if Rob Manfred was going to, you know, cancel a trade if if the Angels tried to trade Otani to to the Dodgers. So, did I get that right? Was that Chris Paul? That was Chris Paul. Look right. at me, yeah, I basketball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's do the other half of uh, this guy's question really quick. Is it time to start worrying about Miguel Vargas? Really quick. No, not yet. I agree. His on base percentage is right around five hundred. I understand he's not hitting as well as we think he should. Uh, I do think it seemed like his bat speed slowed down a little bit with the the hand injury after getting hit by the pitch, which uh, you would think that once he's uh, healthy, that'll come back. Uh, but the opposite of getting on base is getting out, and I'll take a guy who does a lot of not getting out, even if he's not getting as many hits as we would have hoped. Uh, we got a few more questions that we're going to try to stuff in as many as we can. We try to keep these episodes to about a half hour for you guys. Uh, we're going to answer as many of these questions as we can when we come back. So please keep it locked on Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by ultimate pro baseball GM. It's the coolest game that we've played in a long time. You know, I've always thought I could be a great major league general manager. I still think so. And, uh, you know, now I've got a game that I can prove it. So all you got to do go download pro baseball GM immediately. You can set up a group with your friends and play against them in a league. That's what we've done with the, the other locked on MLB hosts. And you get to do all the things that a regular G general manager has to do. You manage team finances, you hire coaches and staff, you draft players, you uh, deal with free agency and the ups and downs, injuries, uh, salary, payroll, all that stuff, all in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate baseball GM is completely free and playable offline on the go so you can play as you want and when you want to. Uh, you can also 
add, uh, yeah, like I said, you can play against your friends, you can create a league, and it's a lot of fun to show off and earn bragging rights against your friends. Locked On Dodgers listeners get 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com or scan the code on your screen if you're watching on YouTube or look it up in the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com. Ultimate Baseball GM, start your dynasty today. All right, we are back. We want to thank you again for being everydayers, being here with us every weekday morning and making us your first listen. Let's jump right back into the questions. Vince, what do we got next? Yeah, we got a couple with the catchers. We'll start with one from Zach at ZKD15 underscore. He says, should we trade Cartaya this year? And if so, for who? Uh, The only way I really see Cartaya going in a trade is if it was a Shohei Otani trade. Uh, And even then, like... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think Cartaya is untouchable, but Cartaya is such a great prospect and has so much potential that it would have to really be an offer, a trade that blows the Dodgers away for them to be willing to, to trade him. And, uh, you know, part of the reason that, you know, even in an Otani trade, I don't know that the angels would necessarily want Cartaya, uh, not because he's not good, but because they just, uh, stole the top catching prospect from the Phillies in a, in a trade last year when the Phillies went went all in and said, we need Brandon Marsh. He's the missing piece. We'll give you Logan O'Hoppy for him. And, uh, you know, that trade is turning out very well for the Angels. And uh, Logan O'Hoppy appears to be their catcher of the future. And so I, you know, just for purely practical reasons, I don't know that Cartaya would be at the top of the Angels list. I think they'd probably rather have some of the Dodgers pitching prospects than Cartaya. And I can't think of anybody else likely to be on the trade market this year who I think the Dodgers would trade Cartaya for. Yeah, I mean, realistically, Corbin Burns is like the top guy. And maybe if it's like a one-for-one possibly for Corbin Burns, you know, especially since you're getting that not just this year but the year after, especially not knowing what's going to happen with Julio and, you know, you can't realistically count on Walker Buehler to be the same guy. This is the tech, second time he's on surgery. So maybe if it was like a one-for-one or Cartaya and like lower-level guys for a guy like Carbon Burns, um, Otani, yeah, like I said, would make sense prospect-wise. But also, you know, I don't know what the Dodgers' thought process is because they've traded for guys that only have, you know, are rentals. And they really haven't given up too much for that other than Max Scherzer. But Max Scherzer came with Trey Turner, who had an extra year. So, yeah, I I can't see it happening. And I don't think unless someone different opens up or some team that we didn't expect becomes sellers, I can't see it happening. Yeah. And the Brewers just traded for William Contreras this last offseason. So I don't know that catcher is high on their priority list either. So Uh, next question is keeping the catcher theme. Mookie Magic at Dodgers underscore Matthew asked, what would a potential Will Smith extension look like? Yeah, I did a segment on this a while back, and I kind of settled in the realm of around what JT Realmuto got and around a little bit more than what Yasmani got. And, you know, if you're buying now arbitration years, I kind of landed on a number around 20 to 23 million a year, depending how long it was and depending how many arbitration years you're, you're buying out. So, you know, four to five years, maybe six years, you know, 20 to 23 mil. 
That's kind of what I had in mind. I don't know if that's something Will Smith's looking for. I don't know if that's something the Dodgers are looking at. Uh, but I think that would make sense money-wise for Will Smith. Yeah, Riamuto got five years and about $23 million per year. He was two years older when he signed that deal with the Phillies than Smith is right now. Um, but also the Dodgers still have Smith under team control and, and Riamuto was a free agent. And so Smith has what, two more, no, three more years of team control, uh, I think, uh, counting this year. So two years after this year. And, and so, uh, you know, it, it is, you know, the market has obviously gone up since then. Uh, and, and Smith is a little bit younger. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see like a six year deal at, you know, that 24 million per year, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, I think that would be something that would be pretty fair for both sides. And thanks to the DH, even if they did extend Smith like that, you know, when Cartaya is ready, you could easily do a straight up platoon of uh, Smith and Cartaya both play every day. And one of them's catching and the other one's DH and it keeps them both fresh and keeps both of their bats in the lineup. I, I think that would be, perfectly reasonable obviously it would you know the dodgers have kind of jumped in the pool of not using the dh as a as a move guys around position this year and so they'd be kind of ready for that you know uh so you know i i would love to see that will smith extension i think that's probably in the ballpark of what it would take yeah of all the guys they have too he seems like the guy that would sign an extension i don't think he's a boorish client and he seems you know pretty low-key yeah uh, all right we got two more ones a real quick one though Carlos asked, what's the latest on Blake Trinan? I believe he started throwing a couple weeks ago, or if I'm not mistaken. Either way, I don't expect him back this year anyways. He had a major shoulder surgery, so uh, I wouldn't be counting on Blake Trinan for any innings this year. But the last one we had from last week as well from Joseph at Joka Day. He says, any in-game rituals, routines you have while at a game at Dodger Stadium? He said his routine is he waits till there's two outs on the top of the third to get food. Huh. Um, you know, I don't really have any rituals like that. I like to get there as early as I possibly can. So I could spend as much time in the stadium as possible. And, uh, if I'm there with my kids and, or my brother, uh, during the seventh inning stretch, when we're saying, take me out to the ball game, instead of singing, buy me some peanuts and cracker Jack, we sing, buy me some carrots and meatloaf. It's an old inside joke with a buddy of mine from high school. And, uh, we always have to take a video of it and, you know, send it to my brother if he's not with us or send it to my sons if he's, if they're not with us, uh, you know. So, yeah, I think carrots and meatloaf is my only real game day tradition. Yeah, uh, for someone who is into, like, superstitions and stuff, I don't really have anything at stadium. I think most of my stuff like that happens away from the stadium. There was that, what, 2021 playoffs where – I was standing in that spot when Chris Taylor hit the walk-off home run against the Cardinals. And then I went to that exact same spot when Cody Bellinger was batting against the Braves and he hit the three-run homer. That, and then Mookie, you know, ended up scoring another one and winning that game. So that was it. Uh, although when I'm watching away, like in a big moment or game or in the playoffs, if you follow me on, on Instagram, I have stress M&Ms, which are just peanut M&Ms because they're my favorite. And when I'm very nervous, like for playoff games, I can't really eat meals, but I'll have like the M&Ms there just to kind of, you know, give me a little boost, keep me from getting a headache basically is what it, what it's keeping me from. Um, or when I'm watching at home in a big moment, if I do feel the need to get food, I won't eat until somebody scores, whether 
the Dodgers or the other team, but I, I need to see a run first before I can actually eat. I get that. Uh, we actually do have one other question from my buddy Taylor Cotterell, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, he sent this in the DM. We were talking about crafty lefties and crafty righties the other day. And he said, uh, besides Randy Johnson, can you think of many other power lefties? Uh, you know, we, we do think of soft tossing lefties more than, than power lefties. And I was looking and actually only two of the members of the 3000 strikeout club are left-handed, just Randy Johnson and Steve Carlton. Uh, and those are the first two guys who come to my mind. It, there are also some relievers come to mind. Obviously, Aroldis Chapman. I think he would definitely be considered a, a power lefty. Billy Wagner, same thing. You know, maybe those guys tend to end up more in the bullpen. Uh, Sam McDowell back in the 60s was definitely a power lefty, and he would be a much bigger name, except that he blew out his arm. Uh, but he was a, a great, great pitcher and, you know, still end up with 2,400 career strikeouts, even though he blew out his arm too soon for him to really have become a, a household name, you know, obviously uh, Sandy Koufax had a little bit of a, a, a fastball you may have heard of. CeCe Sabathia earlier in his career. Uh, Frank Tanana early in his career, uh, the first five years or so when he was with the Angels, he threw really, really hard. And then he ended up being a crafty lefty because he threw way too many innings and blew out his arm and ended up having a long career, but mostly as a crafty lefty. Uh, anybody else come to your mind, Vince? Power lefties? No, I mean... There's a lot of relievers now that throw hard from the left side, but, you know, Alvarado from the Philly stands out. He's been having a good year. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of those guys do get kind of pushed to the bullpen these days. You think of lefties and, you know, Kershaw touched, you know, high 90s when he came up. Julio touched high 90s when he came up. They both kind of gone back down to mid to low 90s at this point. But I think a lot of the times when it's a, for whatever reason, when they're starting pitchers, it doesn't hold up as long. Um, and then when they're relievers, it holds up a little bit longer. So yeah, that's an interesting point. I never thought about before. Yeah. Yeah. And Kershaw and Julio, neither of them, I would say are crafty lefties at this point in their careers, yeah. but yeah, probably not quite power lefties. So good question, Taylor. Uh, always fun to have one that's not necessarily specific to the Dodgers. I think that's going to do it. Uh, I, I can't stress enough. This was a great batch of questions. You guys, thank you so much. This was awesome. A uh, great way to end the week for us. Uh, Dodgers play today kicking off a series against the Cubs. Cody Bellinger's return to Dodger Stadium, and then they take on the Mets starting on Monday. So we will be back on Monday morning to talk about the three-game series with the Cubs. Hopefully uh, the offense shows up. I mean, the Dodgers are clearly a better team than the Cubs, so hopefully that shows up in the results uh, three times, and we can talk about a, a series sweep that gets the Dodgers kind of back on track of where we expect them to be. But whatever happens, you know, we'll be here with you Monday morning because Monday's a weekday and we are with you every weekday morning. And we really appreciate those of you who are with us every weekday morning, our everydayers. Uh, we love you guys. And we hope that more of you will join the Everyday Club. If you're not watching and listening every day, you add one or two days a, a week to your rotation, you know, work your way up to be an everydayer. If you, if you need to do that, start calling yourself an everydayer, you know, fake it till you make it. Say, yeah, I'm an everydayer. And then you'll start feeling that internal pressure to actually listen every day so that you're not a liar because we don't like liars. Uh, so yeah, be an everydayer because we love talking to you. You can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Locked on Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Samperio. I am on Twitter at Snydog and the DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. And our phone number for voicemails or text messages is 323-863-LOCK-5625. 
We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you on Monday. Have a good one.